welcome to the Outer Twilight Podcast. I am Andrew Craig, and uh, today with me is Mike Sonnenberg, who's going to be interviewed. If you tuned in last week, um, uh, Mike had the chance to interview me, and a chan- we had a chance to talk about uh, influences growing up and that sort of stuff. And so today, I'm going to interview Mike so you can find out more about him. Part of the reason we're doing this is uh, honestly because we've never done it before, but also because season two, we're trying to do uh, a few things differently. We want to be a little bit more focused on the the deeper aspects of storytelling and also on ourselves as as creators, as guys who like writing and, and talking about writing and storytelling in various forms. We want to be able to do that uh, in, a, in a way that's a little bit different and, and more focused on the nuts and bolts as opposed to uh, the latest movie or, or something like that. So um, we're glad to be doing this. And Mike, it's good to see you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, I really enjoyed your interview last week and being able to do that and maybe a little bit nervous about being on the other side here. So. <laughs> so for a little bit of background, Mike and I have been friends for 30 years. Uh, we met in 19, in the fall of 1993. Um, and so we were still teenagers, but at the same time, there's a bunch of our lives that we didn't live together, obviously. Um, and so part of this, is, too, is, is finding a little bit more about each other. So uh, one thing I don't think we've ever talked about, Mike, I think I'm always a little more blabby than you. I don't think you've shared with me a lot uh, of what you were like growing up. So whatever that means to you, why don't you uh, share a little bit about what you were like as a kid? Well, yeah, and I and I guess knowing me now, and it's I was painfully, painfully shy growing up, um, like to the point where going into a Mac store to get a Slurpee, I would make my little sister pay for it because I was too terrified to talk to the person at the till. Um, I just, I spent a lot of time in my head and, and I think that that makes sense. I, I spend a lot of time in my head now. It's just a darker, scarier place, but, um, it was like I, like I was thinking about this, like I was thinking about you know the creative stuff and when did that come and all this, and I realized that, like I watched a lot of TV growing up, mm. like a, a lot of TV. Like I was the kind of guy that for whatever reason I would get up at six o'clock in the morning to watch you know Hammy the Hamster and um, all those great kids shows that for some reason were on that early in the morning. Um, but, uh, and I read a lot of nonfiction stuff. Uh, I don't remember reading like creative stories until, oh, really until probably like grade five when I started actually reading books. And and that was, I had a teacher, uh, Mr. Nibs, who he had a thing at the beginning of the year where he had a list of this long list of books recommended reading type of thing. And we weren't required or anything, but you know, he had all the books available and read what you can. And I remember grade five, probably the first real novel that I read was Anne of green Gables and absolutely fell in love with that. So um, that was when I really started reading so when you when you say you read nonfiction, what kind of stuff did you read for nonfiction? 
Oh, history. As a kid. Uh, okay. every, every kind of history. Like, uh, well, there's a TV show, Max, the 2,000-year-old mouse, which was, uh, you know, little, almost like vignettes of history. Um, we had all oh, different series. Like, I remember reading a book about, you know, Abraham Lincoln or like stories about Abraham Lincoln and different historical figures and stuff like that. And, um, that was a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I read, uh, growing up. Um, my parents, like my dad's not a reader. My mom reads a lot, but yeah. primarily it was like Harlequin romance kind of stuff. So, um, I did, <laughs> I did not venture down that way. Uh, so, so the nonfiction stuff encyclopedias, things like that. That's, that's what I read. Cool. Right on. All right. So, um, so then getting into reading fiction after reading history and all that kind of stuff, what ultimately, I guess, sparked your creativity, um, for you? Like what really kicked it into gear for you? Well, I was trying to think of experiences when, like when I would really register creativity as, as a thing. And I remember, so one memory I have is, so we watched a lot of horror movies uh, growing up. My mom loved horror right. movies. And we watched Salem's Lot, and which is about, you know, vampires living in a town, kind of hidden and all that kind of stuff. And I remember after watching that, going to my room and having this idea of, creating a story a world where there was an entire country of vampires and remember Mm. drawing up a map and coming up with names and starting to create this other world that a story could take place in um my other creative outlet was i remember when we had friends over and this was again probably pre-grade five um and we decided to act out a version of ET. I believe it was that we did. And I was the director. And so I was giving people mm-hmm. their parts and, Oh, here's your line. Okay. Try. Oh, you know, try Okay, back up, try it again this way. And, you know, kind of going through and um, it was, I distinctly remember that. Like I can still see that in my head um, doing that. And so, yeah, those were my creative outlets early on. I think sometime around that grade five, grade six, um, no, it might've been junior high. No, it was junior high. Um, I got introduced to Dungeons and Dragons, uh, playing role-playing stuff and, uh, absolutely love that. You know, the, the imagination, the, the creativity behind it, you know, to the point where, even at school, I was in this uh, program. Oh, I hate to say, it, but gifted student program, and so we had extra stuff that we got to do, and talked the principal into playing Dungeons and Dragons with us. And the principal uh, played Dungeons so and Dragons. That's cool. My friend was DMing it and uh, dungeon mastering it, and you know, and the principal was playing yeah. a character, and we we're doing all this stuff, and um. Yeah, absolutely. So what was your first D and D character? Uh, my first D and D character is still my D and D character. Uh, same, really? same character that I've had for probably you know, 35, 37 years. Um, and that's his name's Armageddon. Subtle. Nice. Uh, 
been through many different iterations, different careers and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, just use the same character. Well, you know, played with, um, you know, like my sister and Mike and Sean Bell, who, you know, um, yeah, but we played kind of with the same characters going on and, so, and I, we'd created and I'd created this like huge backstory for the characters and how they knew each other. And, um, it just, you know, it was this massive sprawling thing. And, uh, cause it was as much the, the in between the adventures as it was actually in the adventures. And mm-hmm. so, so yeah, there was a lot of that kind of creativity stuff with that. But, um, you know, and then you grade seven, I remember we were studying at school again, we were studying Dracula. I think we were reading, reading the play Dracula and we talked Mm -hmm. our teacher into performing the play for the school. And so we had, uh, you know, so we started rehearsing in that and then somewhere along the lines, I don't know if it was just me or just me and another guy, but got the idea that, you know, we needed to spice it up a little bit and. and so, <laughs> you needed to spice up Dracula. That's okay. <laughs> so, so we, we, we created, I created this, um, these two extra characters who were kind of investigating or something, this whole Dracula thing. It was like in the middle and is basically me and my friend Aaron coming in to the Miami vice theme, you know, and going in and interrupting everything and all, it was just, I, I, I can't imagine now how that all fit together, but in our minds, it all <laughs> fit together. And, um, yeah, so, so we did that. It sounds like a pretty cool version of the play. So oh, it was, yeah, it was, um, it was different. <laughs> Was, Did you have to cut anything out? Because Dracula, the play there, I mean, it's not like it's, you know, by today's standard, it's not bad, but for a junior high, that would have been. Oh, I don't bad. remember. Well, it was like, it, it was in the, whatever, like the grade seven textbook type of thing. So I, okay. I imagine it was abridged and yeah. made appropriate for um, stuff like that. And, and then grade eight, I know one of our, uh, uh, traditions at our school was the grade eight class did the Christmas play. I th- I'm pretty sure it was okay. great. Yeah, no, it had to have been grade eight class. Um, and it, the, the tradition was one year was Santa, like some sort of Santa story. The next year was the Grinch. And then it would alternate back and forth. Um, and me being me uh, decided that, um, no, we need to do something completely different. Because uh, it was always the same two plays that they did. And so decided right. to need to do something completely different. Um, so me and another classmate, Tara, we wrote the Christmas play. And so we wrote out the whole thing, created it, and then gave everybody parts and, um, you know, directed it and did the whole thing. Um, and I like to think that uh, my memory's hazy on it, but I, like, I think it was well-received I'm sure it did not become part of the rotation going forward, but you know, it was, <laughs> it, was it was something different. And, right. and I think that's kind of a lot of where my creativity, I, I get bored with the same old, same old and, yeah. and whether it's, you know, change for the sake of change or being different, just to be different. Uh, I'll come, but like, okay. So for, for example, and, and I, I hesitate 
to tell this story, but high school English class, um, Mr. Burke, great teacher, uh, really opened my eyes to seeing that literature was more than just books that, you know, like song lyrics and, um, scripts and all that kind of stuff that that was all part of what language arts was anyway he gave us an assignment and we had to write um about a time that we experienced um oh i can't remember the actual term to use but like the ultimate joy um there's a particular word for it and i just couldn't allow myself to just follow the directions and uh so i wrote this somewhat tongue tongue in cheek but i wrote it like dead serious about the first time that i tried on my mother's clothes and the deep <laughs> joy that that brought me and i handed it in <laughs> like that and he loved it and mm. and then he had this thing where okay when when people produced really really great work yeah, can I post it on the board? You know, so for people to read. And I was, and I remember he asked this as I was leaving. Uh, oh, I, I was going to a funeral with my mom, and I just like, yeah, whatever. I'm not here. Post it. I don't care. <laughs> so, um, That's awesome. But yeah, if there was a way to make it different, to make it to push the envelope a little bit, that's kind of what I always gravitated towards. So, right. So what are you, we, before we started recording, you're talking about influences and stuff. And so what were, you mentioned saying with a lot, which is Stephen King. I don't know if that was an influence or not, but what were your influences? Like what kind of caused you, do you think to move into this? What has the ground that hasn't been trod sort of idea? I really don't know because like my parents were like the safest people you're ever gonna like you know they did not stray beyond you know the what was expected of them um they're not creative people at all and 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 when i think about um you know creative people in my life like like you know th- that list of books and in grade five and having that opened up to me and at i guess at the same time was we got a new pastor in our town randy charlton um, and he really opened my eyes to seeing, like, to seeing my faith and faith being different. Like, you know, this was a pastor who would wear a t-shirt and short shorts to church if you let him. And I think one time he did, um, you know, he rode a motorcycle. He was so different than what my experience had been, you know? So he, you know, he pushed the envelope of what was normal, what was expected of, of people. Um, so I don't know, maybe, you know, subconsciously that was, you know, a little bit of an influence, but I think it's just mm. the way that I was wired. Um, mm. and I don't think there was any, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was, wasn't like I had somebody who was, you know, like, like you said, like your dad was a painter, you know, and, or yeah, that I had creative people in my life. Um, it just, yeah. And I just always wanted something a little bit different. And 
as much as I like. Well, do you think like that TV watching that you're talking about resonates with me too? I think a lot of guys from our generation, a lot of kids from our generation watched a lot of TV, <laughs> but do you think that TV kind of did a lot of that for you? Like seeing as many movies as you did being exposed, I guess, to as much different types of media as you were at a young age. Do you think that was yeah. that spurred creativity in you? Well, I, I, I would imagine it would have to, um, that, right. you know, seeing these different things, you know, and whether it was my early morning watching TV or the late night watching TV, like I, I watched a lot, <laughs> a lot of TV. <laughs> I really can't emphasize that enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like, it's weird. It, it just, it's always been in my conscious memory. Right. Though, like I said, you know, before grade five, I don't really have any specific, like my sister and I, we would spend a lot of time playing. Um, Like Mm -hmm. we would go out, you know, we'd go out into the, to the field and we had a a stand of trees out there and, oh, you know, you, you find a, a stick and that's your, your phaser for your Star Trek phaser. And, oh, this tree that Mm -hmm. fell down, that's our spaceship. And, you know, and so it was a lot of, you know, we were afforded a lot of opportunity for unstructured play because, you know, um, like very different than like our kids now where, you know, oh, they've got computer, they got phones, they got the internet and all that stuff. You know, like like I, I never had that kind of stuff. Um, And right. So, well, yeah, and I think that's a, for as much TV as we watched when we were kids, you still had way more time outside than any kid today generally does. So, yeah, and it's not an across the board thing, but yeah, it was a lot of unstructured play. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, creative creativity so, comes from that. So, so you talked about writing plays a bit, but I also know that uh, you've done a fair bit of acting. So, what I guess the, the, playwriting and the acting in place kind of goes hand in hand. What attracted you to, to acting and, and to, um, well, I, we kind of covered why you, you know, enjoyed writing it, but what about acting was attractive to you? Well, okay. So there's two things in junior high that stuck with me. And one of them is like legit. I think it was, I don't know if it was after the Christmas play or if it was after something that we didn't, I, I can't remember what it was after, but I remember one teacher saying to me that, you know, when you're in high school, you should really do more acting, be a really good actor. And the other was um, like way back in grade six, again, with Mr. Nibs, but um, we were doing oh the silhouette thing. So you had to sit very still and, you know, use the projector to, you know, project your silhouette and then he traced it on paper and then whatever. And he made this little throwaway comment about how still I was sitting and that, you know, could be, Oh, you could be a, a, you know, an actor with how I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was like, it stuck with me and my, you know, 12 year old brain interpreted that as should be an actor. Um, You know, (laughs) so when I got into high school and so like very small, very, very small school where like total, like maybe a hundred students got into high school where my class was, you know, three, 400. Um, and 
grade 10, I noticed that there was a drama company or like their after school drama. I wasn't bold enough to do it at that point. Mm. Um, so grade 11, I did. And, um, you know, and I, w- I was decently good at it. I enjoyed, like, I, re- I really don't know. Like, it just, I enjoyed reading in a creative way. I enjoyed using my voice that way. And I guess the next step was, you know, then, you know, it was, I, like, I remember doing a reading. Um, I imagine it was from Alice in Wonderland with the class in grade five where, you know, I was the only one who used voices and, you know, was physical expressions of the voice that I was communicating kind of thing. And it was just, it was just, it was there. Um, right. And so then, yeah, once I got involved and so like my, the, the drama in my high school, um, our teacher, uh, Mr. McEachern Mac, um, was, you know, he treated it as a drama company and it was a very successful one. We did a lot of plays and stuff and, and, and we were treated, you know, like we weren't treated like professionals, but we took it very seriously. Like when we were pre- preparing right. for a play, like we would have up to like five rehearsals a week. Um, hmm. Like it was, it was a major time commitment and, and I enjoyed that a lot. And, uh, you know, and yeah, you learn a lot of techniques. There was some really great actors, some really great actors with that. Um, you know, and even within that, like, and then I took drama class and I remember I did a monologue where I wrote a monologue. And when I finished it, um, you know, Mac said, you know, hey, would you want to do this at, uh, like at provincials? You know, we always went to provincials, but they were doing kind of like a fringe festival for, you know, student created stuff. And he said, do you want to expand this into an actual one act play and perform it at the fringe type thing? And, wow. you know, and so I started working on, I didn't finish it. I didn't perform it at the fringe. Um, and, huh. and even, uh, you know, and so we, we did stuff and I, and I told you the story once, like we did, um, arsenic and old lace play for yeah. our, our, uh, our winter show. And I remember, and, you know, and I played a character with, you know, scars and I had like, you know, however, hour and a half, two hours of makeup every night for the performance and stuff like that. And, you know, you go for it, you're gung ho. And I remember in the, the receiving line, um, afterwards, the, uh, one of the old ladies from the, in the audience, she comes through and, and she goes, you remind me of a young Orson Wells. And I just remember being <laughs> on absolute cloud nine that, you know, she would say oh, yeah, that. No kidding. That's it's like just, high praise for so, sure. Um, yeah. Huh. But, uh, so, so you haven't, as far as I know, you haven't done a lot of acting since then. Do you ever see yourself going back to it? Do you see it being something you might draw on eventually? Um, like I did a little bit when we were at Silby you know, we did a Christmas mm-hmm. thing and, um, but yeah, I like, yeah, I haven't done any, like any formal plays or anything like that. And, and it's only the recent little bit where I've started thinking that, 
you know, maybe I want to get back into that, you know, and just do some community theater. Um, mm-hmm. Like there's a fairly active group. Well, there's an active group in a couple of towns nearby. And So when uh, did you actually start writing? I mean, we've talked about when you kind of started thinking about being creative and you'd done some acting and stuff. Did you start writing before you did the acting or did you start doing that after? Well, I kind of divide the, the writing experience into like, we talked about the stuff, like the, the plays that I was writing, um, mm-hmm. adjustments that we were making that type of writing. And, and I didn't even mention like, so like when I was in junior high, I did, I dabbled with some poetry and I remember at one point right. I wrote one poem that the school actually had laminated into a poster and was posted in the library. Um, wow. And, okay. uh, and I only have a vague recollection of what it <laughs> might have been about. But, <laughs> um, but as far as like, you know, seriously, like writing to tell story or I, I guess prose, prose writing, um, that wasn't mm-hmm. until – you know, when in Bible school, you know, where we met and when I was supposed to be paying attention in class, you know, I was like doodling story ideas. And, and, and at that point, it was mostly like fantasy type stories and um, just ideas of more the world building um, and, and right. a place to tell stories. Um, when I went to university, uh, part of my reasoning for like I, I chose English and history as my majors and part of my motivation was I felt that that would make me a better writer um, I took mm-hmm. I took Hellenistic Greek because I wanted to learn more about the roots of words and stuff like that and they weren't offering Latin so they were offering Greek and okay well I can learn I can read the New Testament and I can learn the root, roots of words um, make me a better <laughs> writer kind of thing yeah. Um, you know, in university, okay, again, took creative writing courses as well as the English stuff and was part of a, a writing group at school and um, had a couple uh, poems that were published just in a school kind of booklet that we did for the writing. Right. And um, although I should add one of those poems, I later submitted to um, – a writing contest and it was published uh, some years ago um, in an anthology of Canadian poetry. So. Oh, that's really cool. I, I should clarify. I hate poetry. Um, <laughs> I just, I, te- I, I seem to have a knack for it, but <laughs> right. Yeah. It seems pretentious to me. Like just say what you're going to say. Don't use all the flowery language, but um, yeah. But what I found was, like, I had done a lot of writing and, and to the point where I wrote, I wrote a book. Like, I wrote a full novel. Um, actually, my dad had provided me the opportunity to do that. I was between jobs, which is a, a common refrain in my life. And um, he provided me money for over a six month period is all I did was write. I worked a little bit on the side, but I wrote for right. six months, um, did a couple drafts of a novel that I had actually started way back like 10 years earlier. 
and it had changed okay. quite a bit and um I had done some work with that and had i was at a, a writing conference and met met an agent who you know was interested in it had looked at it um you know, she gave some feedback on, um, like the main character was a little bit too passive and, you know, the, maybe you want to change the point of view character to one of the more active characters. And, um, which was interesting because the point of view character I was using was a character who was really, um, emotionally repressed. And it was a character that at that time I didn't realize it, but it was something that I really related to. Um, mm. But I reached the point where I got to this and then my computer crashed and I lost everything except my initial draft of that book. Um, oh no. So all, all I have left of that whole experience was the initial draft, which I had had on a little jump drive. Um, I lost all the edits, all the, you know, the rewrite from a different character's point of view and stuff. And, um, and that was difficult. And, um, and then, you know, life gets in the way and I went a really long time without writing and, um, I didn't always understand it because I still, the desire was there. I just Mm -hmm. couldn't do it. Well, it's quite the blow to have like something that you're so far along in. I could see why you would end up kind of uh, nervous about starting something new, right? Because it, you know, you get you put a lot of your heart into those things, and then well, I don't it think it was taken away from you. I hear what you're saying. I don't think it was um, nervous, and and I don't think it was necessarily related to losing what I had, but right. It, it felt like there was this barrier that was keeping me from writing. Like, like I would sit down to write and my mind would go blank. The rest of the time, my mind was constantly racing with, you know, this idea, that idea and, and all this stuff, you know, and I had, I had an entire uh, scribbler full of story seeds and different ideas and stuff, you know, stuff like we talk about in, you know, in our podcast last season where you know where we create stories and stuff like that like i have a whole scribbler of that kind of stuff um but i felt separated from it and it wasn't until later that um once i was diagnosed with um uh severe depression that Mm. i started to kind of put those pieces together and realize that okay well there there was more to it right so uh, your mental health was a big factor then in, in your creativity. I, and I mean, I guess it is for a lot of people that, that deal with it, but how did, how did that affect you? Like once you had a grasp on it, how did it affect you? Well, you know, that's a difficult question to really answer because a lot of that was where uh, I guess I would term environmental factors where again, life was getting in the way. Um, right. Changing jobs all the time. Uh, lots of big, uh, bigs up and down, um, had, you know, for four years I had a really demanding job, um, where I was, you know, working at the university and then 
that job ended and then a lot of instability. Then, you know, we opened a store and, um, and then that failed and, um, it just, like, it, there was a part of me that, like, where writing was still really important, but life wasn't allowing it. I, I wasn't committed enough to it, and then the mental health was just in the way, and it just became something that, again, you know, one of the times where, you know, I've got an entire bookshelf here of, of writing books, and... um you know, where I packed it all in a box and put it away because it was almost, it was emotionally painful to think right. about writing while at the same time mm. not being able to stop thinking about writing. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I what, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, why do, why do you think that is? Like why, you know, I think it's interesting. It's just a, did you have, do you have any insight into why that happened? I don't know that I, like, I don't, I know I don't fully understand it and, you know, whether there was, there was a hesitancy to commit. I like, so like when I was in university, one of the things that I really suffered from was uh, like writing papers, like writing a research paper. I could mm. do all the research. Mm -hmm. I could know the topic inside and out. I couldn't write the paper. And part right. of it was... I wanted it to be perfect. I wanted it to be, to sound a certain way mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, and it was there in my head, but I couldn't get it out onto the paper until there was an absolute time crunch, you know, and then I could spit something out, but it was never edited and it was never good enough. And it kind of became a, you know, it, it made it harder if anything. And, and I think my writing was like that where I had a certain, I had moments where my writing was like the feedback I got from people that it was, it was really good and, mm -hmm. but it never felt that way to me. And right. it just, it was this constant, like there, it was like two halves of my personality fighting against one another. And, you know, maybe my desires versus, you know, the depression and I don't want to like, you know, pin it on, okay, well, depression prevented me from doing that. Depression was a part of my life. It wasn't the whole thing. Um, right. But it's, so no, I don't understand it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's still, it's still something that I struggle with. Like it wasn't until, right. it wasn't until we started, well, until I joined you with the outer twilight um, with your website that I really started writing again. And it had mm. been a long, long time um, before I got to that point again. Right. So like, and that's kind of a good uh, uh, segue, I guess, into, you know, looking more towards the future. So how, you know, we reconnected over COVID and, and that's, and, and I guess, for me, you know, from my perspective, it seemed like a natural fit for you and I to partner up on the outer twilight. But what was your perspective on the outer twilight? What, I, I guess, what, uh, what was the process to leading you to say, sure, that sounds like a good idea? Well, I, I think, or I, is that what you thought? <laughs> well, well it, it is, and you know, and I mentioned a bit of this during you know last week's episode, but I had been wanting to get back to writing. And mm -hmm. when I thought of, you know, how can I strategies to do that? And I was looking for strategies and I thought, you know, 
a certain level of accountability and feedback. Um, like I, like I, you know, I love my wife. She's a great person, incredibly practical in the moment. Um, and the, the whole writing concept is completely alien to her. It's not something that we can talk about. Um, I found that, you know, to a certain degree, I was fairly isolated. I had no one to share this with. And I needed somebody to share it with because some of the best writing that I ever did was when I had somebody to bounce ideas off of. And right. naturally, when I started to think, okay, where can I find that? It was Andrew. Andrew's the obvious <laughs> answer. And, you know, we reconnected. And I asked you, and I remember I remember sending you an email saying, you know, I want to write some stuff and, you know, would you be willing to, to, to hear, to, to read it and talk about it a bit and, um, you know, and you kind of set up, okay, well, well, why don't we, you know, video chat once a week and, and we started doing that. And then, you know, you told me about the website and I had the thought that, you know, put myself in a position where I'm supported um, by somebody who understands the challenge of it um, and make a commitment. Um, like you had been struggling, working through finding purpose, your, you know, your new direction, you know, mm. just, and, you know, and I was feeling a lot the same, um, you know, different reasons we were coming from different places with it, but we were kind of in the same place. And I thought, you know, here's an opportunity for us to lift each other up. Um, right. And, and so we did you know, and and we both started producing a lot more. Um, like I was, I, well, I -hmm. I was writing for the first time in years and, um, you know, and it was personal memoirs, memoir, memoir, memoir. Yep. Wow. That's a weird word. Uh, (laughs) Oh, um, type of stuff, but I was writing, um, you know, and, and that started to kind of jump, jumpstart the creativity. You know, I started yeah. thinking about stories again and it not feel wrong or not feel bad or not make me feel bad because I was thinking about it and not doing it. At least I was writing somewhat, you know, and I started taking notes again and it started kind of reawakening that within me. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that played, it played a significant role in starting to try to get my health under control. Um, you know, like if, if, well, you've read my stuff, you know, if anyone listening has read mm-hmm. this stuff, you know, they can go to the website and they can see where, uh, I, I write about where I was at in all this and, and, right. um, you know, and s- since then, you know, through surgery and a lot, a lot of hard work, I've lost, a lot of weight, um, you know, at this point, 165 pounds. Um, mm-hmm. and I write a lot more and, yeah. you know, and a lot of that. Well, and and it, your writings on the outer twilight, like I was a little, you know, cause we talked about, you know, vulnerability is big for me and, and you had expressed a bit of hesitance, um, not more just because you hadn't really 
written that way before, if I remember right. And and I think what was amazing is reading your story, uh, both, you know, like where you were coming from, basically growing up and, and your your challenges that you have faced with that was really powerful to read. And so I guess it's it's um yeah, I guess how how you're kind of touching on how that affected you, but could you expand on that? I guess like how it was what was that like for you? Well, you know, I can back up and go back to the the depression. Like when I I was diagnosed and to a large degree it was a very private thing between Sharon and myself where we knew, mm-hmm. a couple close people knew, but it wasn't something that well, not that, you know, not that I go around advertising it right now or anything like that, but it was just um, not a secret, but I don't know. I, I'm not expressing it well, but that <laughs> changed for me when I realized, particularly my role in the church, you know, like I'm, well, church, you know, chairman, council president, whatever, for a lot of years. And I reached a point where when I was able to say to the people around me that I, that I worked with on this and they said, you know what, I have depression. This is how it affects me. Um, this is what I need from you. And this is what I need you to understand. Um, it changed how I felt about depression because I could be open with it in a group of people that I trusted and right. it opened things up for me. And so when I looked at writing about um, health and weight and stuff like that with the outer twilight, it was a lot of that same kind of perspective. I knew that like I, I bottled up what I was feeling. I didn't express that kind of thing. And it was liberating I guess maybe that's not quite the right Mm -hmm. word, but to be able to say it out loud. um, Right. And you know, that it's, that it's okay. It's not something that defines me. It's just, it's a part of me and, and and I don't need to hide that. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was like really key for me to be able to allow myself to do that, to do that and to use writing, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and the outer twilight to, as my vehicle for making that happen. Um, and then it's not something that just has to haunt me. It's just a part of me as opposed to something that's holding me back. Right. So, um, then kind of looking forward, uh, you know, in, in moving forward, um, is there anything you're working on, like for the site or other projects that you might have on the go? I know we talked the other day a little bit about it. But. Yeah, like I haven't written for the site <clears throat> for a while, and, and part of that is uh, significant mental health struggles. Um, I've been medication plays a large role in that, and you know when mm-hmm. when COVID hit. Um, I lost my position with um, at the school and with that, I lost my benefits. And mm. one of the things is that, you know, you know, medication can be really expensive. And, yeah. and one of the medications that I was on was very expensive. And, you know, so I made a 
choice when I had to make a choice and I stopped taking my medication. And that increased the challenge significantly, particularly not having a job, looking for a job, bouncing around, going through my health struggles. And, um, and I'm doing that without, you know, one of the tools in my toolbox. And, right. and I've only recently started, um, restarted medication, you know, very toned down, a more affordable, uh, cause I still don't have benefits. Like I'm, I'm working again and stuff, but I, I don't have benefits. And so, um, it's a balancing with that. And so, but I haven't written and, and that's part of the reason why I haven't written. There's also part of it is, is that the piece that I want to write is <laughs> I've been stuck on the part that I want to write is, is the surgery. And the surgery for me was a really, really difficult couple days. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's a part of me that's scared of getting that down. But Can you just clarify what the surgery was? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I removed both of my legs. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> no. Oh, wait. That's that's you. Halfway. Um, and it was just one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So the, the <laughs> surgery that I had was um, gastric bypass. Uh, I can't remember the exact name, but, but they removed 80% of my yeah. stomach. Um, right. And the, and I got this done in Mexico and because otherwise, cause here it was like two and a half, three year waiting list and health wise, I didn't, mm. Sharon and I didn't feel that I had that long. Um, right. Needed to do something. But with, the COVID restrictions, Sharon couldn't be in the hospital or in the clinic with me. And so I was alone with, you know, a lot of the nurses who didn't speak any English. There were a couple that spoke some English. Um, and it was, it was really hard and, and I haven't been able to write that yet. So what I needed to do is I needed to change gears and, um, you know, and I, I want to come back to that. And I want to be able to share that so it's not just something that I'm holding and, and you know, continually traumatizing myself with. But um, so November is National Novel Writing Month or NaNoWriMo uh, for short. And what it is, is it's a challenge for, for writers to write a novel, uh, air quotes, uh, in a month. So 50,000 words in the course of the month, it's part of it is, is you have to write so fast that you don't have time to think you just have to write, you know? So a lot of, a lot of things that people get stuck with, a lot of things that I get stuck in is, is, you know, making decisions and, oh, is this the right path? Is that, is it not? And you just, you just have to get the idea down. And when you're done, you know, if, if you can complete it, you know, you've got, basically like a super detailed outline, if nothing else, you know, that then you can start fixing, making better, working on. Um, I've tried it many times in the past and gotten nowhere mm-hmm. with it. Um, okay. So I've decided to try it again this month and as, you know, to mm-hmm. jumpstart things and, you know, and part of it was, okay, I told you about it. So a little bit of accountability. Um, (laughs) And I told my language arts class at school 
that I'm doing this. Oh, I explained wow. what it is. So, you know, accountability there as well. So mm-hmm. I'm a little bit behind schedule, but I'm at about 10,000 words right now. And, um, That's not bad. you know, so, so things are, are starting to go and it's now it's a story that I've been working on for quite some time. And by working mm-hmm. on, you know, it's, it's been there in very many different iterations, but, uh, um, you know, trying to push forward, trying to get as close to that goal by the end of November as I can. Um, but hopefully, you know, more importantly, not thinking so much, more doing and creating habit, you know, you know, at least a little bit each day to keep moving forward. And if that habit can develop, then, um, you know, I can, I can expand it out to other types of writing that I want to do, get back to writing for the website. Um, you know, mm-hmm. maybe if I, you know, lose my mind a bit, whip out some more poetry or something, but, uh, um, <laughs> But the important part is is writing and being uh, intentionally creative in that way because like we're creative in, every, in in all kinds of things that we do. It's like you know if you cook, you're missing an ingredient, you come up with a substitute. That's being creative. Um, you know, yep. you do accounting for the government. You're one of the most creative people in the world. Um, you know, there's different ways of <laughs> there's different ways of being creative. And for me, this is same with being a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. You know, and so this is a way of intentionally being creative. Um, you know, yep. and so yeah, so that's kind if you're of a vegan. You're if you're a vegan, you're really creative. Yeah, you're creative on what you define as food, but. Um, <laughs> And, and this is from a guy who had to go on a liquid diet for about two months where I couldn't have solid food. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, I'm hoping to to bridge that out, to build on that, the momentum from that, and and not mm-hmm. be so hard on myself. Um, like like I, I read over some of the stuff that I've written, and it's and it's legitimately bad. Um, mm. And that's okay. Because, you know, right. like I, I, I listened to podcasts uh, of writers, you know, really successful writers who talk about, you know, yeah, their first drafts are bad. And mm-hmm. I just need to embrace that. You know, bad creative yeah. is still creative. You know, bad writing is still yeah. writing. But um, like, I think it was, was it Asimov who said, you know, you got to write because the first million words are going to be terrible. You got to get those out of the way so that you can get to the good stuff. Um, uh-huh. You know, it's like an athlete, you know, the 10,000 hour rule, you know, you got to put in your time mm-hmm. to develop the skills <laughs> to get there. And so that's kind of, that that's where I'm at. Right on. Well, thanks for sharing with us today, Mike. That, that was, uh, yeah, it's really good. And I actually, I've really enjoyed these interviews back and forth. So it might be something we need to revisit in a different way with each other uh, at some point soon. Uh, next week, when we come back, we are going to be having a bit of a palate cleanser after these rich, meaty interviews. We're going to be doing one of the things we did last season, which was uh, going off of a writing prompt and, and that. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, supporting us uh, just by listening. We really appreciate that. Thanks, Mike, for today. And uh, looking forward to continue working with you, brother. Thanks a lot, man. All right. See ya. All right.